Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf here, and I'm joined by a very special guest today. I've got Tony East of the Locked On Pacers podcast to talk to on today's show. We're going to talk about who else? Obi Toppin, who is now in Indiana and going to be making his debut this year. So we'll talk about expectations for the former Nick, if he could be starting, things of that nature. We talk about the floor and ceiling for the Pacers. Are they going to be a threat to the Knicks this year? Well, that's an intriguing question that we're, we're going to look into. And, of course, the Jalen Brunson versus Tyrese Halliburton debate. And why maybe it shouldn't be as much of a debate. Maybe it should just be okay to say that they're both really good players. So that's all coming up next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Knicks. I want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking it in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. Make sure you hit that notification bell on YouTube or the auto download function on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode and you can become an everydayer. And if you want to keep the conversation going with Gavin and I, you can check us out, check us out on Subtext. It's a cool new platform that lets you talk with us right from text messages in your phone. How could it be easier than that? Check out the title or check out the episode description for more details i'm alex wolf i'm editor-in-chief and excite the strickland which you can find at the strict.land and as i said i'm joined by tony east today uh, of the locked on pacers podcast longtime rival of the knicks you know all the way from back in like the 90s uh and early 2000s but less so well i guess it, in recent years 2012 13 as well still pretty raw uh if you're like me and, and that was still a crushing defeat but not as much of a rival in recent years. Maybe that could change this year if the Pacers make the progress that they hope to. So let's not hold it up any further. Let's get into it with Tony. All right. I am joined by Tony East of the Locked On Pacers podcast. And Tony, how you feeling, man? We're, we're almost there. You know, the offseason struggle is almost over and we almost find ourselves in the uh, in the thick of things again. It's October. The trades are flying. And something I think we could talk about today, if Zerbiak and Halburn and Brunson have their way, Hicks versus Knicks might be back. What a time <laughs> for us to be talking. Yeah. The, I don't know how much Zerbiak's going to be on TV as much this year. I feel like he's going to be more in the studio again. So, Which actually, that's where he gets off those spicy takes. But there's all this talk that the Knicks might be trying to hire like Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson, like now that ESPN let them go. But We'll see how that all goes. But, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, there's a real possibility, especially with all the uh, the ties that bind these teams together, both historical and current, that we might have a little bit of a, a uh, revival of this rivalry this year. I think first off is Obi Toppin. I mean, it was a pretty weird, uh, pretty weird end to Obi's tenure with the Knicks, if I do say so. You know, he and Emmanuel Quickly obviously drafted in the same draft class. And have had very different fates with how their their Knicks tenures 
are are going and or ended. Uh, quickly seems to be a pretty big part of the team now. Uh, we'll see if the Knicks put their money where their mouth is as far as giving him an extension in the next couple weeks before the regular season starts. But I think smart money is that they probably are. And meanwhile, they sort of unceremoniously sent Obi Toppin to Indiana this offseason and didn't uh, almost for free. Let's be real. I mean, they, it was just for like a, a handful of whatever second round picks. I mean, how, what's the what's the feeling like, uh, you know, before training camp here as far as what? Obi's role might be on this team. I mean, I feel like there's probably, I think you and I talked about this earlier in the summer, but I feel like there's a decent chance he ends up starting to start the year, right? We we did our mock Obi trade and had like pick 32 in there. (laughs) We were not close. Uh, The the way it's been described as locked on on locked on Pacers is pocket lint was the uh, package for Obi top and feel free to keep that one in network and keep using it because who, Future seconds that are worst of seconds are not going to be good picks. That's perfect for the Pacers. Like they drafted Jarris Walker. So getting another forward, of course, is a little awkward in terms of how many minutes they can distribute for two former lottery picks at the four. But if you get topping for that, <laughs> you got to do it. And I get why the Knicks did it, right? I didn't know about this audio of him and Tibbs until after the trade. Uh, I also didn't know that because of their unlikely bonuses, they needed to clear like the smallest amount of money to get DiVincenzo or something and stay under the tax. So like, I get why they did it, but Pacers definitely benefit. Uh, he fit. I think he'll fit well with their identity. And the reason I predicted he's going to start is I think he'll fit really well with Tyrese Halberton and not be so strong without him. And because Halberton's obviously going to start, I think Obi will start. I think it'll be him and Turner in the front court. I get why they would go with Walker. I would go with Walker. In fact, if I were running the Pacers, but I think Toppin will be the starter they can really explore what they have with him, right? Because obviously, as Knicks fans know, that when he played a lot, it tended to go pretty well. <laughs> His num- numbers as a starter were crazy, which obviously is unsustainable. I, I, at least I think so. Um, but the Pacers need to figure out what they have because it's a contract year for him, right? So they need to figure out how good he can be and how well he fits with their best players. I think that's another part of their motivation. So I think he's going to get a lot more chances to do pick and rolls and get the ball playing with Alberton and fly in the open floor. But all the questions about his shooting, his defense, all that will be important for the Pacers, but he'll definitely get a lot more opportunity here than he did in New York. Yeah, I, I'm I gotta say, objectively from a Knicks fan perspective, like I'm excited to see what he does because I really liked Obi Toppin. I thought he was a, a, a really good dude, seems to have a really good head on his shoulders, like and and definitely just kind of was a victim of circumstance here. I mean, he was kind of drafted to be the he was drafted with the intention of being the starting power forward, and then Julius Randle had the season that he did in 2020 to 21 kind of out of nowhere. Like, I think the Knicks were banking on, okay, Julius is going to be the same he was last year. We'll trade him for whatever we could trade him for by midseason that year. And then, of course, he he turns in that all-NBA season, becomes crucial to what they're doing as a team. And, you know, the, the rest is history. You know, another all-NBA season this past year seems to really be playing his best ball. It was just like there was never going to be a path for Obi to play more because of the fact that Tibbs also was completely – unwilling to ever not have his rebounding and rim protection out there, which you just don't really have with Julius Anobi. That said, I feel like he's on a roster now in Indy that's going to be perfect. I mean, I, uh, to your point, Halliburton and him in pick and roll is going to be pretty nasty. Like, it's going to be – he's great at diving in the hoop. He's great, at, you know, off of lobs, obviously. He's pretty good off the short roll passing. So if he gets in there and then the defense adjusts to him, he can kick it to the corner. He can – uh, you know, find someone that's cutting into the hoop. You know, he's got all kinds of skills that way. And I really think having a guy like Miles Turner that often finds himself in the corner, you know, like waiting for that that 
you know, corner three opportunity to spot up. I, I think there's there's a chance this could be pretty potent, like with what they're cooking there, because it's it's going to be a fast paced team, I feel like. And I, I think that he's going to really benefit from the fact that Tyrus Halliburton is always going to be getting the ball with his head up, looking to air that ball out to Obi uh, in transition as well. I, th- I think it's going to be a really fun team to watch. You saw the Team USA hit heads Halliburton does all the time, right? You were there for the Brunson experience, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, it, you know, that's what he does. And not even topping, like Bruce Brown is going to be awesome in that setting. And that's what the Pacers are really leaning into. I'll be curious about that Turner dynamic, right? Because I forget what the number was. Someone told it to me recently. But to- Toppin ran like less than 20 pick and rolls with the Knicks last season. <laughs> not like <laughs> not like in April, not like in a in a long, like a short stretch, like the whole year. And I think he would do more with the Pacers, but part of the Pacers being decent to good last year was like Miles Turner got really good at mixing in the pops and the rolls and being a good pick and roll threat. So like, yeah, it's good to experiment with Obi and have him do those things. He should do it way more. But if it detracts from Turner or forces him to be more resigned to the perimeter where he wasn't as effective playing next to Sabonis, I'll be curious how that relationship works out. I don't think they're going to like get in each other's way or anything. I'll just be curious how they share those reps, but they do look like, especially on offense, pretty good fit together. Yeah, well, I look forward to seeing how that all works out. Uh, but I think that the, in the grand scheme of things, I'm also curious to see if uh, if you think that the Pacers are going to maybe kind of evolve into a threat for the Knicks this year. And uh, the Knicks obviously had a a unexpectedly good season last year, I think. I think they were better than most people thought they were going to be and then made the second round, all this good stuff. Hopefully they improved this year and yet, the East seems to be just chock full of teams that have either gotten way better by trade or logically should develop into a better team uh, as this year goes on. So I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are on that. All right, I'll be right back in with Tony in just a second, seeing how good he really thinks the Pacers can be this year, uh, which is an interesting discussion because they're a team that could potentially shake things up in the playoff bracket this year if, if things all break right for them. But first, I got to remind you all, today's show is brought to you by Bird Dogs. And I tell you what, guys, out of all the products we've ever been sponsored by on this podcast, Bird Dogs might be one of my favorites. Uh, It's as a guy who runs hot, who generally is sweaty and also likes to stay active. These have been a godsend for me. Uh, Bird Dogs shorts, Bird Dogs pants. I just recently started wearing the Bird Dogs joggers on some of the uh, some of the cooler days as we start heading into fall here, but they're just so freaking comfortable and easily the best pants and shorts that I've ever owned. I want to have a full wardrobe full of them at some point and bird dogs. They're great because not only are they comfortable, but they make you look good, which is a rarity. You know, I have my favorite worn in gym shorts and whatever, but they're not necessarily the most aesthetically pleasing things. I have some nice khaki shorts, but they're not exactly the most comfortable Bird Dogs lets you do both. They are made of stretch khaki. They're designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and give you a truly sculpted look. And they also use four-way stretch, which if you never had four-way stretch pants before, I don't know what you're doing with your life. It is revolutionary. It's exactly what it sounds like. It lets your pants fabric stretch every direction so that no matter which way you're going, your pants go with you. Uh, And Bird Dogs just nail that to a T. Uh, they want me to show you wearing my bird dogs on camera. I'm not going to do that. I'm too self-conscious for that. I'm sorry, but just take my word for it. You know, my butt looks good and, and my pants fit great. And I, if I'm ever somewhere in a basketball game breaks out and I'm in my bird dog shorts, I don't have to feel weird about 
just slapping on some athletic sneakers and getting right into it. So if you want to get some for yourself, go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA or enter promo code LockedOnNBA at checkout for a free Bird Dogs water bottle with your order. That's right. You don't just get cool pants. You also get a big old water bottle. So you'd say hydrated as well. That's birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you that. All right, and we're back in to continue talking about the Pacers and their relation to the Knicks this year. A uh, little, little Hicks versus Knicks. Uh, what, what do you think's gonna? I, I'm, let me just put it this way: what What is your realistic expectation for the Pacers, and then what do you kind of think is like their ceiling and their floor this year? Actually, I don't know if the floor one is right. I mean, we kind of. I would imagine the floor has to be probably where they ended up like last year, right? Like if they're in the lottery again, is that considered sort of like the floor at, at this point? Yeah. Late lotto would be the floor. I every year do a thing running through the schedule game by game. And I know that sounds stupid, but then you can like see the hard stretches and see the back to backs or like sometimes an easy game is harder than normal or vice versa. Doing that got me 39 wins. Now, granted two games are not, on the schedule because of the in-season tournament. They'll be scheduled in December. That's super confusing. But so I suppose if they win one of those two games, 40 is my number. That's five wins better than last year, right? I think they're a better team. They got Obi. They got Bruce Brown. Their ceiling, though, I think there are more ways that they way go over their projected win total than slide under just because they're going to be playing a lot of young guys, right? It's so like naturally there's a lot of ways that you can have internal development in that way. You know, between... Uh, Halliburton, Neesmith, Toppin, Walker, Nemhard, Matherin, maybe their backup center too. Like seven of their 10 rotation players could have less than four years of experience in the NBA, right? Like they're still a young team despite being pretty good and having expectations of at least taking a step forward from last year where they were, you know, right in the thick of the playoff. They were limited on April 2nd, right? So they had seven days left in their season. So despite losing their last games until George Hill scored a million points against the Knicks in the final day of the season, uh, you know, they were right in it. So uh, easily uh, a little bit of internal improvement and the additions make me think, yeah, they could get into the play and mix for sure. And their ceiling could be in that 45 to 48 range. If everything goes right, because they have an all-star, they could have, you know, more better fitting young talent around them. But at the same time, you know, young players don't always just grow immediately or talent doesn't always gel right away or, Maybe Buddy Heald taking a lesser role or not even being on the team at some point does hurt them significantly. He pairs well with Halliburton is an awesome shooter. So I think there's more ways they are better than expectation than ways they are below expectation, which maybe that's just because I'm around the team all the time and I it's harder for me to see the downsides. But I still think they're you know a one-star team that needs some other talent to be a real threat. And so I kind of have them in that 8 to 10 range in the low 40s and wins, I think, realistically this year. Yeah, how do you feel about things in the division? I mean, I, I feel like the Central Division, as far as East Divisions this year, I mean, the Atlantic is always really hard. I mean, as a Knicks fan, like, it's going it to be rough again this year. Like, even with all of the – even with all the the upheaval and drama, like, the Sixers are still going to be nasty because they have indeed. Uh, the Celtics obviously just got probably a decent amount better by getting Drew Holiday. Uh, the Nets, I mean, they're going to just be like scrappy and annoying all year with uh, all their guys that just like play defense and stuff. And then the Raptors, like always from a Knicks perspective, always kind of crush them. Like, but the central division really just, it got really, really good. I feel like this 
offseason. Obviously, the Bucks at the top are like the class of it, and maybe the class of the East at this point with Dame now. But like the Pistons are, should just continue getting better. Um, and you know, I I think that they did well for themselves, like at least like with drafting and stuff. Uh, this offseason, getting Oscar Thompson, like I thought he looked really good in summer league, so he might have more of an immediate impact than people think. Kate Cunningham, if he stays healthy, like. I don't know. I, I think there's a really good chance that they're going to look really good. And then you've got like the Bulls. Uh, okay, maybe not the Bulls, but <laughs> the Cavs got better. <laughs> I had to throw the little bullshit in there. Um, uh, but the, can we get can we get the Knicks and Pacers in the Southeast Division? Can we just can we just all scoot down there? Southeast? No, I don't. Well, maybe the don't Wizard. Know. No, they should. They don't belong there geographically, but. Playing the Wizards and Hornets and Magic a bunch every year would be nice. Yeah, that it? would be nice. That would be nice. As a <laughs> Magic Knicks fan, be good this year. As a Knicks fan that lives in New Jersey, though, I do appreciate that I have three arenas I can go see them no, at reasonably. That, that though. Is nice. That so is. <laughs> I don't know. Either way. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, how are you feeling? I mean, like, I think the Cavs did a good job of just kind of building out yeah. depth this offseason. Like, you know, getting Struess was pretty big, I think. And like, they should be a better team than they were last year. So that's potentially. Like the Bucks and Cavs, I think for sure locks for like top five, six seeds, no matter what. And then potentially some teams that are going to be in that play and mix too. Like, how do you feel about the in division rivalry going on there with everybody? Yeah, they can't beat the Bucks, and I don't mean that to say the Bucks because they're so good. It's that they cannot stop Giannis at all. They have beaten the Bucks with Giannis once since 2018, and they hit 23 threes in that game. Like they just, it just takes a freakish performance for the Pacers to beat the Bucks. They just can't do it. They won one of their time against the Bucks since 2018. Giannis didn't play. It was the day after his first child was born. And now they have Dame, who's tough to guard, and they have some options for him, but I think they're going to be better. So they that's probably four losses for the Pacers, right? Like, even at their best offensive peak, it's so tough for them to have a guy for Giannis and then also Chris Middleton. Like, those types of players, like if we talk about the Knicks specifically, Randall kind of fits in this group, just like powerful big forwards. They just haven't had anybody for it since Dad Young was on the Pacers. Now it was five, six years ago now. So they'll struggle with the Milwaukee. They struggled with Cleveland last year. They also have some of those more powerful guys. They're not really perimeter players, but they're still good. And the Cavs are just an awesome regular season team. Like I think their net rating was third in the league last year. They lost the Pistons twice last year. That team should be better. Cade's awesome. So there's just like, like teams that are tough. Like even the bad teams are tough. And then there's the Bulls. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the, the Pacers beat the beat the won the Bulls series three one last year. Uh, it did take a Herculean effort from Halbert in one of those games, but they're just not threatening, <laughs> yeah. and they're getting older, and it's not fun to watch the Bulls anymore. But either way, they're not like a joke. Like DeRozan's good, Levine's good. They're not easy, so they'll probably have a losing record in the division, and that's hard for the Pacers because they play these teams every year, and they have the same problems with them, and it's hard to address those problems. Every team wants that big wing stopper, of course, but playing these teams all the time and will continue. I mean, it seems like if Giannis loves playing with Dame, like these are going to be their opponents for years. So I got to start figuring out solutions at some point, but it's going to be tough. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you. I mean, I feel the same way in the Atlantic. Like it's going to be, (laughs) yeah. I mean, I was just saying it to Gavin on a show that we recorded that I guess would have come out yesterday. Uh, We recorded it the same day for, you know, a little peek behind the curtain, but we were talking about the Drew trade, and I just feel like the Knicks, good or bad, now I think officially have more pressure on them to make a move sooner than later. Like I'm kind of curious if that it, that probably won't hit the Pacers this year, but I feel like – 
the East in general is getting so good now that it's kind of reaching the point where like this apex, where if, if you want to compete now, you're going to have to make a move sooner than later. And the Knicks, I think are going to run into this situation this year where if they play, if they play well and are competing with these really good teams, then they're going to say to themselves, well, why don't we like make that final move to turn ourselves into an actual contender? And if they don't play well, then they're going to say, well, now we're skinning backwards and we need to compete to keep up. And we need to, you know, finally make this big move that we've been thinking about making for a while and, you know, get this done no matter who it's for. Now, like, I mean, I was talking to to Evan from Locked on Cavs last week, and he seems to think that, like, there's a Donovan Mitchell saga kind of I, I won't. I won't put words in his mouth to say that he thinks it's like right around the corner, but he like he brought it up to me before the show of like, let's talk about Donovan Mitchell because I think that he might request a trade to the Knicks in the next like year uh, or, or like by this time next offseason or whatever, whenever his contract is getting ready to expire. And, you know, that that might end up sort of helping the uh, the Pacers out a little bit if that guy gets taken out of the division. But it's just I think in general, the Eastern Conference is just so so competitive now all of a sudden and it's just happened over the course of like two years where all of a sudden this has gone from what for like 20 years was like the b conference you know like other than when lebron was you know with miami obviously which elevated them to a different tier um and then obviously the bucks won it a couple years ago because Giannis just went like supernova but it used to sort of just be assumed that whoever won the east was lining up to go lose to whoever won the west for so long and now it sort of feels almost the opposite like it almost feels like the tide is turning other than the one or two super high level teams in the west it feels like the tide is turning where the east now is the deeper tougher way more competitive conference at this point i don't remember when i tweeted this actually i do it was before it was before the wizards blew up their everything but like you could make an argument that outside of washington every team in the east wants to be better than last year every Mm -hmm. single one right charlotte certainly does uh, Detroit certainly does. Those two teams aren't necessarily great, but all the rest of the teams are like within striking distance of the planner playoffs and want to be better. I think they can be given their stuff and given what they did this summer, Washington may be zigging while everybody's zagging is a smart decision because of that. But before they, they blew it up and did the pool stuff and traded all traded Beal. Like there was a second. I was like, man, is every team in the East going to want to be good or make the postseason next year? Like it is tough both because of that and because all these teams are better the teams. It's weird that all the teams are on the same timeline, but because there's no juggernaut warriors or LeBron's Cavs are just so good. Like everybody's got to feel like they're, you know, an injury away from the conference finals or some young player popping away from, you know, being much better than last year. Like I could probably name seven teams who think that, you know, so it's going to be a tough time in these because I don't think you're going to see outside again, outside of Washington, Teams not really going for it until like late March, which last year a lot of teams kind of dipped out a little earlier than that. So it's going to be tough. Uh, toughest the East has been since I can't even the late nineties, probably early two thousands. Mm-hmm. Probably mid to late nineties, I would have to say. Yeah. I mean, it was the that was kind of the golden era where it was. Yeah, true. You know, right, probably right after MJ got too easy for me to say that, but mm-hmm. early two thousands was still cool and good. I think. Yeah, it was still pretty good. Well. uh, We've we've talked about the the Obi Toppin situation. We've talked about the Pacers and and in general, just a great conversation about the East right there. I think we've we've reached the point where we've got to talk about the uh, the big topic that everybody loves to talk about on Twitter all the time and get in arguments about, <laughs> which is 
Jalen Brunson and Tyrese Halliburton, but I'll take it in a slightly different direction. All right, I'll be right back in with Tony to get into, you know, the Jalen Brunson and Tyrese Halliburton debate. It's like the whole thing. It dominated Team USA this summer. Everybody loves to get into it on Twitter between Indy fans and Knicks fans, especially because Halliburton got a little more in the way of accolades last year. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a fun discussion, and and you know I think I think you'll enjoy it, especially the fact that we ultimately come to the conclusion of they're both just really really good players. But first, I got to remind you all that today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. So snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. And if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. May I suggest in the more department, the uh, same game parlays, one of my favorites. You can go into a single game and place a multi-leg bet just off what's going to happen in that game and potentially win big. I always call them my uncut gems bets. Uh, so if you've never seen that movie, first, check that movie out. And then secondly, place a bet like that. It's a lot of fun. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, we're back in, and uh, as promised, I want to talk Brunson versus Halliburton, but not, not in the sense of just like who's better, like because I, God forbid, I have to talk about any more of these top one hundred lists or whatever this year <laughs> that rank these guys and where they put them, and if it was fair and all this other crap. Here's something I'm curious about because I, I think, I want to, I would honestly just think about this live on air because I, I haven't put the most thought into this yet. And I'm going to kind of put you on the spot too, but going into training camp, what is like the number one thing you want to see Tyrese Halliburton get better at this year that could elevate Ooh. him into a different class of player? Well, I have two. First of all, I would I will throw my Brunson Halliburton thing in of the dumbest thing ever was these Team USA chats about who should be starting. Oh because God, the yeah. reason the reason Halliburton was coming off the bench was because the bench was good with him in it. Like yeah. why that was fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that didn't make any sense to me. That was dumb. Um, okay. The thing that Halliburton, I think would be his next step. And he's only 23, which is crazy. Actually, he's born on a leap day. So it's his sixth birthday this season, which is crazy. <laughs> to um, so for him, it's going to be like, honestly being more selfish. I know that sounds crazy because his thing is being this lights out passer, right? Top two and assists per game this season, over 10 a game shoots it so well from deep though. And he doesn't get to the line a lot. I think that would be skill number two, but the thing that it just jumps out to me, this is so like not natural for him, right? So I'm not even sure if he'll ever be this guy because he can get better in a lot of ways. But last year, 24.7% of his twos were assisted, right? So less than one-fourth of his made two-point shots were set up by someone else. 44.7% of his threes were assisted. So less than half of his threes came from somebody else, right? So a lot of his buckets, he's creating himself. And his true shooting percentage is still crazy good, 62.4%. So like, him just trying to find his own shot is good offense for the Pacers. And that is so counterintuitive because he's such a good passer. Him getting everybody else involved is part of what makes him so brilliant, what makes the Pacers hard to guard, right? You never know what he's going to do with the ball. But it's it's such a counterintuitive element to say that a good passer needs to be more selfish. But I think that is the next step for Halbert. And it's not even like a big jump. Just take his shot attempts from 15 to 16 and a half. And I think he's thought of much more highly because his scoring average would go up so much. So 
That's what I think his next step is. Obviously, defensively, uh, he he could he could stand to grow there, but just a little bit more like I'm that dude as a scorer, and he would look a lot better. I think. You know what? It's so funny. I think that this is this is going to come together beautifully because I think that <laughs> m- my request of Jalen Brunson is almost the opposite. You know, Ooh. I think that, and I, I'm not like I'm not implying that he's a selfish player um, because I think that he does a really good job of ball moving and stuff. But I do think, and it, this is going to come down to design by whether it's Tibbs or another coach down the line, like there's going to have to be a commitment at the coaching level to just calling less ISOs. But I would love this year if he ran more like pick and rolls. And, you know, like you referenced that stat with Obi Toppin. And I mean, that's not entirely on Brunson because he didn't play a ton with Obi Toppin because they, you know, it's starter bench, you know, and Tibbs is Tibbs. So (laughs) they didn't get a ton of minutes together because of, you know, one's in one unit and one's in the other. But like, this is a team that doesn't run a lot of pick and roll and they have, they have some guys that can do really well with it. You know, I think that Julius Randle would do really well from getting some time off every once in a while to just sort of be a pick and pop man from time to time. And Brunson would probably appreciate having an easy possession where he could just kind of run and pick and roll and then, you know, kick it out to Julius Randle for an open three. Uh, I think they could also do stand to do a lot more with Mitchell Robinson as far as letting him dive to the hoop and throwing him more lobs. I mean, that was like the guy got the the nickname Robinson, uh, you know, early in his career because that was just like one of the most money plays that the Knicks had when he was younger was just throw it anywhere near the hoop and this guy could find a way to dunk it. Um, so I, I kind of think that's one of the biggest things I want to see out of Brunson. And again, it's going to come down to Tibbs being willing to call more plays. Um, but even with like Josh Hart now going to be the, uh, the backup four from what it seems like putting him in positions where he can set screens and Brunson can kick it to him. And then he can work out of the short roll kind of thing. It'll save Brunson's legs more you know, so that he'll be fresher later in games if he can run more plays like that early on and not have to dictate the entire offense. And I think that would work really, really well for him. So it's it's really funny to me. Like, <laughs> our our thoughts are, like, almost exactly opposite. <laughs> like, I, I, would, I would just love for Brunson. I would love for him to hit, like, eight assists per game this year. Like, I think that would be sick. Um, and I think that just will require. Okay. Okay. But, but yes. playoff Brunson, like, was the only oh, dude who could score at all. <laughs> absolutely. And he should still keep doing that. Yeah. You know, but I, but I think that if we, if the Knicks start, and this is really more just like a overall Knicks commentary than just a Brunson commentary, but if they start fostering better, like a better environment where guys aren't just basically ISOing to get points and, have like some pet sets to go to and you know various little things you can call on at different points in a playoff game for example i i think they could be in a lot better shape because i just think that we saw in the playoffs last year that they became extremely reliant on jalen brunson to score like 35 points per game uh late in the playoff run especially against the heat and, and nobody can make three pointers it seemed like everybody was almost like unprepared for kickouts in a way like nobody seemed like they they had a clue what to do if Brunson wasn't able to get inside and you know or, or create a, uh, a step back three or whatever it just it was it, it was tough I think those are the things that they're gonna have to work on to as a team get better but then Brunson you know as the point guard I feel like it might just require a little more of sort of Steve Nashing it a bit and just kind of calling his own stuff or like being like Peyton Manning out there, you know what I mean? For a little indie reference, uh, you know, just kind of calling his own plays, calling his own shots, 
and and setting things up for his teammates that way. I, I think that would be what I'd like to see out of him. Maybe just to go go a little off Tibbs' script from time to time because I think he's essentially Tibbs proof at this point and can just do whatever the heck he wants. So <laughs> you're hoping for the touch. Darius Garland stat line. 16.4 shots per game, 7.8 assists per game, basically, right? I would dig that. Yeah. yeah. During the regular season, then still have that ability to score whenever you want during the right. postseason. Yeah. Garland. Garland's really underrated. <laughs> as 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 an aside commentary. Yeah, I think that that's funny that they both like I like the thing is, this sounds impossible. Like I want Halbert to be more selfish without sacrificing his assist numbers, aka give him the effing ball. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> just let him do it. Like he he just he's so smart and he sees the game so well. And you know, everybody saw it with team USA this summer, just like the way that he makes guys move and see stuff and unnecessarily jumps and spins on like <laughs> routine passes. It just, it makes an offense go. And so it, it is interesting that they kind of opposite, at least regular season goals. But the difference is for me, at least like I just threw in like Brunson at this killer playoff stretch, right? The Knicks are like, yeah, let's just send everybody in the paint <laughs> to slow him down. So you have that in your head of like, Oh, Jalen Brunson was so good in the playoffs that a whole team was, Swarming this guy. Halburn's never played in the playoffs, right? So I have no idea what that's going to look like or how teams are going to load up or not load up on him or what that's going to look like for the Pacers. And I think this could be the year, at least a meaningful game if it's a plan. But there's there's just no way to know what that should be for him or what that means for the Pacers is you know, how he looks in those settings. Well, I guess we'll see. And if he is able to get there, I mean, I certainly think your advice would work out pretty well if he is able to call his own number more and more efficiently. <laughs> Uh, uh, or not efficiently, but more effectively, I guess I should say, and, and be looking for to set the table for himself more so than others. That is very helpful in the playoffs, as can be attested by Jalen Brunson. Uh, we didn't answer the question of who's better. My answer would be that it doesn't matter. They're very different players. They are, yeah. I think the, I think the answers that we just gave just illustrate they're very different yeah. players. I think they're both very talented. I know that Nick's, you know, Nick's Twitter and whatever loves to try to be like, Halliburton's a bum and Brunson's better and blah, blah, blah. The answer is they're both really good. And they're both I, at diff different points in their careers too. And, and different teams with very different aspirations and stuff like that. So we'll, we'll see how it all goes this year, but I, they're both phenomenal. I know they're buds. So I kind of doubt I'll ever be like a like contentious big, rivalry. Yeah. Like contentious <laughs> rivalry, but it has been manufactured like perfectly yeah. in theory. Yeah. Right. We're like, play the same position they're really similar talent levels like fans of both teams have made it a thing the team usa start bench thing made a thing yep. wally made it a thing hallie got hurt against the knicks last year and that wasn't anything the knicks did to be clear it just happened to be the opponent mm -hmm. they were playing like it is all kind of set up to be something even though i kind of don't think it'll ever be something yeah i guess we'll just have to see how it all plays out this year right maybe hicks versus knicks is back or maybe maybe we're still a couple years away. will be the igniter maybe let's see. <laughs> maybe <laughs> once he dunks it and stares down tips that's it it's curtains uh but at any rate tony thanks for coming on dude i appreciate this uh the pacers pacers intrigue me a lot this year i'm, I'm really interested to see what they're going to do uh and of course anyone listening that wants to hear more about the pacers can check out locked on pacers which Tony hosts and uh, hear more about just them. Uh, but this is probably for most fans of Locked On Knicks as much Pacers as they want for this year. So <laughs> until next time. But anyway, Tony, thanks so much for coming on, dude. And, uh, and hopefully talk to you again soon. Yes, of course. Can't wait.